Hi, I'm Hallie, and I'm here to welcome you to The Odd Life, that's spelled A-W-E-D, which stands for Awake, Well, and Empowered. You see, I feel that women who are living odd have such important stories that need to be heard so they can inspire us to find our own oddness. I want this to be a space where you come to laugh, cry, feel inspired, and most of all, feel more connected to yourself and the women in this odd life community. I'll be talking with women who are practitioners, authors, experts, entrepreneurs, creatives, coaches, philanthropists, and so many more, as well as doing solo casts to bring you what you need when you need it. No matter where you are on your journey in this life, why not go through it odd AF? Again, I'm your host, Hallie, and this is the Odd Life Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Odd Life Podcast. I have a very, very special guest with me today. It is my daughter, Avery. I want her to share her story because I believe she can impact, hopefully, someone in your life that's maybe a younger generation. Because chances are, if you're listening to this, you're probably of an older generation like myself. And if you have a daughter or a niece or a granddaughter or whoever, and they're doubting themselves. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to pursue in college. Um, they feel kind of a little lost in life right now, whatever. I really think she's got a great viewpoint of how to approach life and what struggles she had. She's going to share those things. She's going to share about being a college athlete. She's going to share about uh, just pursuing her passion and career and what makes her feel grounded what makes her feel like the most like herself and i think she can she can offer a good insight to a younger generation of women that uh, maybe are struggling and she can inspire them to maybe see things differently um give them some ideas of how to stay grounded and have the right kind of mindset going forth in life and let's just say she's got her shit together way more than i ever did and I just think it's important to hear, you know, hear stories like hers and have people that you can look up to in your life at a young age that you can hopefully, number one, either not feel alone or two, that you can see yourself in her. Like you can use her story to lift you up, uh, to pursue something that maybe you didn't think you could do. And I mean, it's a lot, all of us. We need people in our lives that are doing the thing we want to do or living a life that's grounding and inspiring and purposeful. And we need those people in our lives so we can know that we can do the same thing. And I think she does a great job. Um, and that's speaking from an outside perspective, not even her as her mom. Uh, I just love this kid to death. I think she is um, going to do great things in life because she's so focused and, and aware and driven and just a lot of different characteristics she's got that I know I did not have at her age. So I'm just super proud of her. And I think her story is worth telling and sharing with you all. So without me gushing any more about this, this lovely young lady that I get to call my daughter, um, here is our chat. Hi, Ave. Hi, mom. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's like 50 degrees here this morning. So I'm having like a true fall morning. I know. Same. I'm good. I know it's gotcha. kind of, it was a little overcast and now it's kind of the sun's out, but it's, it is, it finally feels like fall. It's like the favorite time of the year for sure. I got to work from home this morning. So I'm, as you can, or I guess viewers can't tell I'm in my sweatshirt and these brand new target, like fleece pants that I got yesterday, super my uniform. So <laughs> <laughs> kind of go back to the COVID uniform a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I walked yeah. by them yesterday and I'm like, I already had a few sweaters in my cart because we'll get into it, but I have a new job. So I have to dress professionally now. Uh And I was like, okay, I have like three or four things already. I don't need gray sweatpants. I don't need gray sweatpants. (laughs) And then I felt them and I was like, crap, I need them. them. I have to have them. (laughs) And it was such a you moment because you were like, if you were there, you'd have been like, oh my God, feel these. And I'm like, yeah, you got to get them. So (laughs) anyway, have my new. Yes. Your outfit. Very good. I actually have a new uh, pair of uh, leggings from Target as well. They're the Joy Lab. Joy Lab. These are Joy Lab too. I love them. Joy Lab is a great, I don't know, the brand is awesome and just they're yeah. super soft. I, they're kind of almost a pretty good dupe for Lulu, if you ask me. Yeah. They're tight. They've got this great material. They've got the pockets in the side. Yeah, they pockets. feel like high quality. They're not necessarily, obviously, the price tag. So, yeah. kind of digging them. 
Yeah. Very good. Well, the reason, I mean, I'm going to tell people in the, obviously in the, the intro of why I'm having you on, but I just, I love where you're at. I love what you're doing in life. I loved watching you grow up. And I really want to share your story because I feel like you could have some great input for either parents of kids that want to pursue a life kind of like your own, or for anybody else that's listening, a young woman that may be, I don't know, questioning the direction of her life or how to go about doing something. And I think you've really tackled it really well. And watching it as a mom has been very rewarding. You were a great teacher for me, honestly. You probably screwed it up for your brothers because you had such passion and drive at such a young age that I just, I admire it tremendously. And actually you are someone that inspires me. So uh, I want to talk about all the things here in a second, but give us just like a quick bio, kind of what you're up to, where you are, who you are, all that good stuff besides my daughter. But yeah, (laughs) well, that was a sweet introduction, but yeah, I just finished four years of school at University of Nebraska, Omaha, and I officially wrapped up my soccer playing career. So I am quite in the new chapter of my life. I kind of took the summer to figure out maybe what I really wanted to do. I know what I want to do, but in terms of career, how to get there. Mm-hmm. And I want to be in sports reporting. Um, but I also know that I like the whole industry of what sports looks like when you're no longer the athlete. So the behind the scenes stuff is really interesting to me being involved and just what goes into the show and the production we see on TV or even a live event. So I kind of was trying to figure out how can I do sports reporting and also learn more and have a real true almost like corporation job. So when I move forward in the future, I kind of have a taste of everything. In sports reporting, there's kind of no true set ways of how you get to where you want to be. Everything is very free flowing and everyone has their own path. So I took the summer to really enjoy my time off from just school and soccer for the first Mm -hmm. time in my life Mm -hmm. where I wasn't reporting back to school in July. And I think that can be kind of an anxious time because everyone's kind of getting their life together. And I just was kind of sitting there trying to figure it out. So as of right now, October, first week of October, I work sports reporting for my athletic department at Omaha. And Mm -hmm. I just started, or I guess I'm fully through my second week of being a media strategist at Herdat Media and Sports here in Omaha. Nice. Nice. So you're, like I said, getting it going starting the process of figuring out, you know, how to keep this in a forward, you know, momentum for projection. But I want to back up for a second and go back to kind of how how all this started, honestly, kind of where (laughs) where you started. Uh, Because I feel like soccer and playing soccer, you know, was the end result of a lot of things prior to that. You started playing soccer, like, I think you were four or five years old, something Uh, in there. Yeah, four. So when you were playing soccer, you loved it. First time you played soccer, you were on a boys and girls team both. It was a boys and girls mixed. Mm-hmm. And you were taking down everybody. <laughs> you were like, boys, get out of my way. Girls, get out of my way. <laughs> and it was very apparent that you were kind of in your sweet spot. I don't know. Every parent thinks that. I think that their kids are protege at the age of four. But at, at the time, <laughs> you didn't let the boys intimidate you. You were like, let's go. And obviously, I watched you and, and your, your progression. But – when was it that you realized that you wanted to play more competitively, that you wanted to go like and just play a different level of game? You know, I think it's an interesting question because I have like vivid memories of when I was younger. Like I could pinpoint the game where I have like this absolute – I mean, I would say when I was younger, the competitive fire that I had was almost a little bit scary. Um, <laughs> like I would take it off the field and I was like trash talking like dad's friends. Like I had no business, you know, but like the competitive fire I had in certain games, like I can remember. And that's when I felt like most myself as an athlete, when my mindset was truly at a place where I knew that like no one could stop me in that moment kind of mm-hmm, thing. And mm-hmm. it gives you this like adrenaline rush because in 
you know, in a let's just say in the moment of a game when you need a goal or you need something. And it, when I was eight, nine years old, I was like, okay, it's me. I got to go do it. And then mm-hmm. when you're trying and trying, you have this fire and no one can stop you. And then you get that goal or whatever it is. It's like, okay, I did it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just have a lot of those mo- memories from my childhood. And I mean, as you know, <laughs> I did everything under the sun as an athlete, but soccer was always that consistent for me mm-hmm. that um, it never tired me out. Like mm-hmm. I always looked forward to it. I would play it at school. I would come home and play it in the backyard and then I would go to practice. Like I was doing it all day long <laughs> mm-hmm. and I never got tired of it. I loved it. And I was on multiple teams at one point and I just felt my most comfortable self, I would say. And then naturally, I think in the, the direction that club sports has evolved to, it kind of becomes that, you know, all consuming thing. So as I got into, I think it was seventh or eighth grade when club soccer really turned up a notch, it just felt like the natural next step. When did you realize that the college obviously became, yeah, okay, playing in college became a possibility, became an awareness for you. How did that realization that you wanted to go on and play in college, how did that change things for you? Like what did it require of you? How did it change you as a person? Well, I think naturally just because like I just explained, like it just felt natural for me. Like I knew this is what I wanted to do. Like I never, Mm -hmm. I didn't see the end in sight of soccer, like in high school that would never even cross my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that was the next level. And when you hit that high school four years of playing, um, we were in the ECNL. So Mm -hmm. that was a huge recruiting league. And so that required us to travel a ton for league games or just showcases. So it does, it does make you sacrifice a little bit of your high school experience. But like I said, for me, since this was the next step, I felt like I wasn't missing anything truthfully at high school because like I knew what I wanted next. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was, you know, locking myself in my room and it was eat, breathe, soccer, you know, repeat. I still had a life, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't feeling like the things that I was missing in high school or the events that I was missing on the weekends or what it may be. It wasn't like I was giving all that up to go play soccer. This was what I wanted. And also the people that I was with every single weekend on my soccer team, like those are my best friends. And of Mm -hmm. course I had best friends growing up and they went to school with me, but these are the girls that we shared the same mindset and they were competitive and we pushed each other and we had so much fun off the field because we were all on the same path and journey. Mm -hmm. So at the time in high school, I wouldn't say I was, you know, this crazy, you know, gym goer and runner and making sure I was eating all these things all the time. But I also think it just came with a discipline at the time to make sure I was putting myself in the right position to be ready for the weekends or when I was traveling to really make sure I knew the importance of what those weekends consisted of. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned the kid, the girls that were on the team with you and their mindset was all the same. How important was that for you to have, to be around people that had the same mindset? Cause I know high school is a lot of distractions, a lot of other things going on. So, so how did you foster that, that environment for yourself? We had practice three to four times a week, and then you were leaving on a Thursday or a mm-hmm. Friday to take mm-hmm. off for the weekend. So we were constantly around each other every week. And so I feel like an order – and this transcended in my college career. I would say that for sure. But you kind of have to have a great relationship with your teammates to have success on the field. And if, also, like you said, it wasn't hard for us to kind of, I think, connect on a certain level just because we were all sharing a similar mindset. We all – you know, wanted the best out of each other. And mm-hmm. so we could do well, because if we do on the, on the field, we're getting recruited better. I had a fantastic club coach mm-hmm. who brought the best out of all of us. And he was the one that instilled a great mindset in us. And I think he didn't change the way that we viewed soccer. He let us play and have fun and make sure we loved what we were doing and like doing soccer because we loved it while also challenging us, he's like, if you're going to be here and mm-hmm. you're going to do this, you might as well give it everything you've got mm-hmm. because what's the point without mm-hmm. it really? Mm-hmm. So I would say as much as I loved the mindset that all the girls had, I would say my head coach in club was the one that truly pulled it out of us. And and I think he was the one that probably changed my perspective for the rest of my soccer playing career, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. I loved our gags. Gagsy. Yeah. Shout out to Gagsy. Uh, So, okay. So that's one part. I want to 
go then explore the, the college experience. So you, you graduate high school, you go on to the college experience, you're now playing at UNO. And what was now required of you that was different from high school? Honestly, everything. <laughs> and that's not to scare anyone, truthfully. Yeah. It's just your your entire life is changing because mm-hmm. you go from living in a town that you know your community, you know the people you're playing with the entire time you've grown up for the most part, you've lived in a household <laughs> and now you're in a different place most, most likely. You have roommates that you don't really know. You're in a small bedroom. You're trying to figure out how the heck do I cook a good meal for myself? Like everything about your life is changing. Mm -hmm. And as much as you are there for school, obviously you chose the school to play your sport, Mm -hmm. I would assume. And so it's not just three nights a week and two games on the weekend. It's every single day. And even when there's an off day, you're finding the best ways to make sure that you're maintaining your time or using it to recover one. Mm-hmm. And that's not even just physically, it's mentally to like give yourself a break. And that's something I didn't figure out until my junior year. And I think that's natural. You don't really understand how to balance this all consuming lifestyle. Like you think high school is busy. Absolutely. Because you've got three to four practices. And like I said, the two games on the weekend, but now this is, you know, you've got lifts and then you've got team meetings or you've got study hall hours. And then maybe it's community service for your team on top of team dinners and Mm -hmm. just living with your teammates. It's constantly happening around you. So you have to find this time to kind of let your mind go away from the sport. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that I think I had to adjust to. And also you're a freshman and there's girls that are no longer just your age on the team. You're trying to figure out how to make friends with these girls. And also how do I fit into this puzzle that's already kind of established a little Mm -hmm. bit? How do I make Mm -hmm. an impact? My coach kind of knows me, but not really. So you're kind of playing this mind game a little bit. So I think everything kind of changes and you're also trying to find a way to you know, fit in pieces that of home that feel like home. So like I said, not to scare anyone, but a lot of your life changes, but if this is what you want, you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. But it was a, it was a big step up in a lifestyle change, not just playing soccer. I would say. Looking back, would you say those struggles that you had, those things that you had to adjust to those struggles initially to figure all those things out, how did those affect maybe like a routine or things that you set up for yourself that did help you succeed? What, like what was their part and how did you then create a healthy system and routine for yourself so you could show up and feel like you, all right, I've got this all figured out. I, I need, you know, this is what I need to do here. And this is how I balance this. How did you get to, from the struggle, not knowing to that I got it? Honestly, I think going into my junior year is when I figured it out because mm-hmm. In a not insensitive way, I'm happy that COVID happened Mm -hmm. for my own perspective. And I think the perspective of even my team, just because, you know, showing up to practice every single day kind of felt like just a routine. This is what we do. And when we went so many months without a season and then came back in the fall of my junior year and season was postponed, Mm -hmm. I felt like there's just this rejuvenated passion to just be at practice and not even play soccer, just be around my teammates. And mm-hmm. then soccer on top of it was like even better. Mm-hmm. It gave me more of a, not that I would say soccer really defined me, but in the, that time when you're at school playing soccer, it's what you want to do. And so mm-hmm. during COVID I did struggle sometimes. I'm like, wow, I don't really even feel like myself right now because I'm not getting to do what I want to do when I'm supposed to. Like this, these are mm-hmm. the four years that I get to do this. So going into my junior year, I really actively decided that if this is the last two seasons I'm going to get, I want to be completely intentional about making sure I soak up every minute. And I think physically I took it to the next level just with strength and my eating habits because I was home for classes. I had mm-hmm. more opportunity, quite honestly, just to eat three meals at the regular time of day, yeah, <laughs> but also yeah. just my mental, like I was waking up early I was, you know, drinking my lemon water early. I was reading my book. I was journaling. I was having a good healthy breakfast. And then I would hop on class. I have another breakfast and then I would stretch. Like I had a really great routine down because it allowed me to 
change the way that I responded to things. Mm-hmm. That was like my, my goal was if I if this is going to be a challenging season because of COVID implica- implications or just because I'm a junior and I expect more of myself now or my role on this team and maybe it doesn't go the way that I want to, I know that I can be in control of the way I feel mm-hmm. because I'm very grounded. And so I kind of made that routine to be intentional and just honestly ground me. And it changed, I will say, a hundred percent how I viewed my last two years of college soccer and it changed me way for the better. I wasn't, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I was a bad teammate by any means. I think I've always been a pretty good teammate. I'll pride myself in that actually, mm-hmm. but this took me to the next level in the way that I perceived college soccer. Mm-hmm. And so it came from a, a, a healthier place all of a sudden, like I think what freshman, sophomore year, Again, nerves, fearful, anxiety about where you fit in, how can I make an impact, what's the coach thinking, all that. And then you hit junior year and you've got this routine now. And then you can take that to the next level and go and play soccer and you're much more confident. You're much more just, I don't know, you feel like you're much more aligned maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you kind of mentioned is like, you know, soccer is all consuming or your sport in college is all consuming. So for me, this routine also allowed me to step away and make it about myself and not mm-hmm. soccer, but to improve and better myself as a player and as a person. So you are thinking a lot of the times, my freshman year, I had to learn this because it's it's a tough transition, but you are thinking, okay, what is coach thinking right now? Or I did this good, but then I didn't do this good. Okay. I played a lot in this game, but I didn't play much in this game. So you're trying to figure this out all the time. And it's a circle that never ends and it's not a healthy habit. And so that's kind of why this routine for me is kind of why I implemented it just so I can take time to not think about all the things that I was usually thinking about. And like you said, it did help me just listen to myself because I have memories of my fitness test junior year, it was much harder. We did a different fitness test. And in my head, I was like re-encourage, I was re-encouraging myself. I had a message to myself. I'd never really done that before. And then I even remember there was a time where we I had our first scrimmage against our own team. It was like our own inner squad scrimmage for the first time in the spring season, gearing up for like our first game after COVID. And I kind of had this like mini, mini like little conversation to myself. I'm like, you've got this, like prove yourself kind of thing. And even though it seems silly saying it out loud right now, when you are in a sport that is all consuming and it takes up every part of your day, it's important to have this like strong relationship with yourself, mm-hmm. especially because I have my teammates who I can rely on, but we're all in different paths. Like we're all either different position or we have a different relationship with our role in this team. And growing up, I've always had my parents. I've had you or dad who, you know, when I come home, I can, you know, either be a sounding, you guys can be my sounding board. And Mm -hmm. here, of course I can call you guys, but you guys aren't there watching or all the time. So to have yourself and to have your own self-confidence in yourself and not your abilities is also Mm -hmm. what was really, really helpful for me. And I just felt like I kind of went to a higher power, to be honest Mm -hmm, with you. mm -hmm. I get that. Yeah. And I was, yeah, I was so happy to see, um, because you would share things on social media. I was happy to see you journaling and reading. And I was like, oh, I've got another reader in the family. Thank God. (laughs) So alone for so long. Uh, But I really, I saw a change in you at that time. And just, you felt you looked like you felt more comfortable with yourself. Yeah. And I think this is what actually was a huge transition for you. Uh, Let's talk about what you decided to go into in college as far as your major. But I think initially when you went off to high from high school to college, you were like, "Um, maybe I'll do this thing. And then when you got there and you started to play your sport and I really feel like it was this, uh, this, confident building routine that really propelled you into your, your major and what you were like, I saw you just obviously took off, but let's back up for a second and talk about what you decided to study in college. Uh, initially tell us what you wanted to, what you, what you majored in 
or what you're going to major in? When I filled out my original like application, I think I did elementary education, if I'm being mm-hmm. honest with you. I think that's what mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. It sure was. Yeah. And then that was probably what, your junior year because you applied for school when you, uh, and then senior year was, you know, um, everything was done and ready to go. But so you decided to change to media communications, which was the major that was what they had at school. But your goal became what during the senior year? I would say, yeah, it was, it was sports reporting and I've always liked, okay, I'll take that back. I've always loved sports and it's just what I've been surrounded with since I've grown, grown up with two brothers, Mm -hmm. obviously. Mm -hmm. But, um, I didn't, like like I said, I didn't understand how the heck it worked like getting a job in sports, even when I was like a senior in high school, it kind of became more of a reality when I saw like girls on TV and I really idolized them like Laura Rutledge and Sam Ponder and Maria Taylor. Originally, my goal was just, I want to be in sports reporting. I want to talk about sports. Like someone helped me get there, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand how the heck any of that worked. Like, but I think that just goes to show kind of the progress that we've made as a society, truthfully, and just pursuing things that you are passionate about. Mm-hmm. And also on my side of things, being a woman in sports, just seeing more women on the TV. And now I think that I've immersed myself in this kind of industry. I understand how it works. Because I remember dad and I would sit there and go, Ave, you'd be great at this because you would sit there. We'd watch a football game. You were the one on the couch first before your brothers. Brothers weren't even paying attention. You'd be the first one on the couch football Saturdays ready to roll. You knew people's names. You knew these players. You knew what this was. And you're like, I think Instagram became a big thing too, because you were able to follow people on Instagram. I think you got on Twitter because of your class in high school. Yeah. I had like a journalism class. I was yeah. like, no, literally this is the funniest thing about Twitter. I got on there because we had to have it for this journalism class and people would be tweeting things. And I was like, you know, like basically what like a subtweet is. And I'm like, who are they talking to? Like, what is this? It's almost like, no, it's like a subtweet. Like, everyone knows that they're watching this game or this show right now. I'm like, but how do you know? They're like, well, because they just made a reference to the show. I'm like, okay, so if I'm not watching the show, how am I supposed to know what they're talking about? And they're like, well, you don't. You just kind of go by it. I'm like, well, that's stupid. I had zero clue how Twitter worked. And I think I was a junior in high school. Like, I think, I mean, it's making me feel like old because I'm like, oh, I grew up in the rise of social media. But seriously, I did. Like, I don't think I truly followed people on Instagram outside of my high school friends. Yeah. Until like, I don't know, senior year. You had gone and done had you had done a, a class, a multimedia journalism class that required like required you to interview people and get out. It was like their social media kind of it's learning how to use social media and yeah. whatnot, basically. And you learn how to take video and interview people and Kind of, I don't know, was dad and I both were talking about it, but we both had this light bulb like, oh my gosh, because you had started to change. Like we watched you morph from this quiet, shy, I shouldn't say quiet, but just you didn't like speaking in public. When it came to like you just like being in front of a camera, that was not a natural thing for you. And, but as you did this class and you learned, and then dad and I have started watching you with the sports and how much you knew and how much you were taking in and how much you were talking about it. And you, you'd sit with an adult and have any conversation you wanted regarding sports. You knew stuff. And I think it was in that moment that dad and I were like, dude, she'd be like a really good sports reporter. And we started to kind of like throw these little nuggets out once in a while at you, I think, and said, what about you could do that job, that girl that's on the TV, you know, you could do her job. You know, tons about sports and you love sports. And when you went off to college then and media communications was an option, like when was that transition from like not knowing anything to then I know exactly what I want to do. And this is, I think you kind of mentioned earlier, like you saw these women on TV and you started to pay more attention to their jobs and started to understand it better. But when did you realize that could be you? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I can pinpoint it. So I was in a radio class my sophomore year, right before COVID hit. And there was a girl that I kept seeing on Twitter kind of reporting for Omaha athletics, but she was doing it through the radio station and she happened to be in my radio class. And we had to go around the room on the first day 
and say what our interest was. Since it was a, it wasn't a sports radio, it was just radio. And so a lot of people kind of, you know, threw out what they kind of are interested in. And I basically just like, I like sports and I want to talk about sports. (laughs) And so she immediately was like, Oh, perfect. Like another girl that likes sports. We have these shows on Friday called first warning. And we kind of do a sports recap on one of the teams. Like, would you want to come? And I decided to go. And I think this was like either a Monday or Tuesday. And by Wednesday or Thursday, she had reached out to me and said, Hey, do you want to write a script for track and field? And I'm thinking, Oh geez. Like I went from shadowing this like production on a Friday to writing a script about track. I know nothing about track and I don't even know what script writing even looks like. Like, I don't even know. So she sent me a template and I was like, Oh, okay, I can do this. So I went on Omaha's website, plugged in my own information and (laughs) looking back on it now, like no one, well, here's the thing. No one really teaches you, at least in my, my situation, no one teaches you like what it's supposed to be like on camera, you know, like you kind of have to have your own flair and your own personality and how you present things. I just kind of felt like I had learned from watching people on TV. Like this is kind of how you do this or whatever. And so looking back at this video now, it's absolutely atrocious, but I remember, (laughs) I remember I loved it though. Like it was going to be posted on Twitter and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. I get to like share like information that I'm like presenting. But the moment though was I was in front of the camera and they have these lights on you and it's like this hot white light. And I kind of got this adrenaline that was similar to a game. And I was like, Whoa, like, this is kind of crazy. Like I'm mm-hmm. feeling like whatever this segment, like I was in front of the camera for literally a minute and a half. Like it was that fast and we were done. And I was thinking, okay, how, when can we do another one? Like when anyone else need me to anchor? Like, what do you else need? What do you guys need? Like, I will do it. And that was the moment though. I was like, wow, I felt so nervous, but the minute it was done, I'm like, okay, I could do that again. Let's do another mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. It just felt very in an odd way, comforting. Like, I think when you find the thing that you love to other people, it may seem scary, but for me, I was like, Oh, this feels right. Uh Yeah. So it was that moment that I got to do this show and I'm just thinking about it because it's just so terrible. I look like a cardboard figure and (laughs) anyway, but, um, yeah, I would say that was the moment. And I also, that was the first time that I saw everything that went into a production. And and so seeing this firsthand on a very, minor scale kind of gave me some clarity is like, okay, these are things you're going to have to know. This is the things I go into it. And there's a lot of steps, the camera and the microphone and just all the technical side of things that you usually don't want to do, but you have to learn Sure, that stuff too, even though it kind of made me nervous. I was like, okay, like I like this though. This is a part of the excitement of being on the screen. Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of confidence to be in front of that camera. Uh, initially, I'm sure you weren't very confident, but um, and to be confident in a sports broadcasting world where women are obviously a minority in that situation. So where did, where do you think that confidence came from? I think, you know, if I were to be talking something news related or entertainment related, there'd be none of that for me. I would feel like a fish out of water, Yeah. but because it's sports and it's something that I've just grown up with and watching, mm-hmm. it felt very natural to me. Because, you know, the people that are recording you behind the camera or in the production room, like, is even if they know about sports, like, the reason why they're helping the show is because, like, they like the technical side of things. So when you're in a studio, unless you're in a live audience, there's only about a handful of people, in our case at the time of college, that are in that room. And their passion is the technical side and whatnot, whatnot. So it's truthfully, like, me, whoever is my analyst or my anchor, and this camera. So... I have to do my best in that moment to make sure that I'm presenting a good product. And so you have to embrace this confidence that, okay, I'm the one that's technically the expert right now. Like I came prepared. I'm the one presenting it, you know, so it's me and this camera right now. And I got to make sure that I'm presenting this information accurately and just doing it in a way that's entertaining. So more or less, it was kind of about like proving myself every moment. Hey, like, 
this is how you're going to do this. Or, you know, I'd be getting ready in the morning and I'd kind of be practicing my lines or just making sure my facial expressions or the way that I said certain words was coming out correctly to make sure when that moment came on, the lights were on, I was getting it out correctly. Because in that moment on the studio, it's me, the person sitting the desk next to me, the person behind the camera. So the confidence, I think, is just making sure you know what you're going to be talking about because you're expected to be the expert in that moment. Yep. I think that's the key, honestly, to confidence in general. Once you know, and it takes time, like it's the preparation behind it. It's the knowing, it's the learning. And then once you know something and you're passionate about it, it's a no brainer. It's kind of like, this is no big deal. Like honestly, in for an example, when I come on here and talk to you or anybody else when I'm doing this, I've prepared. I've, I've had my questions. I've got my script. I've, I know how my my recording studio, you know, whatever it looks like. I know it's all set up right. I've got my equipment. I've done the research. There's a reason why I want this person on. I've got great questions I want to ask this person, and there's an intention behind it. Absolutely. So I think there's – I don't get nerves. I don't get nervous yeah. with the process because I know I've done the preparation. And I think that is such the key for anybody trying to do something new is you, if you practice, and I mean, I've sat before my car, either waiting at a light or I'm driving to the gym or I'm doing something, I will have a conversation. I will I will do this out loud. I will I will have a conversation with you if I'm prepping and, and kind of go through this conversation ahead of time. And that for me was, I think, my big moment of understanding speaking in public and speaking yeah. in front of people was the the work we did beforehand. And then yeah. it felt like, oh, I've already done this. And you're like, I think it's your brain also goes, I've already done this 10 times. I've done it in the bathroom, in the, in the mirror. I've done it in the car. I've done the script. I've talked to myself getting ready in this morning. And then I've already done this four yeah. times. So I'm good to I, go. Yeah. And I will add to the confidence piece. One, connecting me to soccer. I've gone through so many harder things in the sport of soccer mm-hmm. and mentally and even just like performance wise that I think it put broadcasting and perspective for me like this is my fun thing not that soccer was my fun thing but like this is my truly carefree fun thing and if I think speaking in front of a camera is hard like good luck running your fitness test later kind of thing you know like sure not that I thought of it that way but I do know that it helped me for one being involved and it took my mind off soccer and that's when it improved my soccer playing that's kind of what I want to tie into this too is have something else that you're really passionate about because Mm -hmm. it'll help every piece of your life. But I didn't see it as challenging one. Yes. Because I thought I was in a position that felt comfortable and I was passionate about the topic, but I think playing soccer and being an athlete, there's physically taxing things that I'd had to go go through that this experience seemed, I would say much lighter. But Mm -hmm. on top of that, when I stepped into live reporting for a long time, I was like, ah, I don't know if I can do questions live. Like that, that changes things. I'm not sitting anymore at a desk and mm-hmm. I don't have my prompt in front of me or, um, you know, information I prepared. So I did try to avoid the live stuff for a little while until I became comfortable. But mm-hmm. now that I am like the Omaha hockey reporter, post game and end game, this is the biggest venue that I have to consistently report at. And Mm -hmm. I had my teammates, I would go to these games or my friends would go to the games and they would ask me after a game, like, oh my gosh, how do you do that for all these people? And I did realize that I don't think about the people at all. Like my job in that moment is to make sure that I'm asking a good question Mm -hmm. and I'm getting a pretty good response. I mean, I can't control the player's response or from the coach, but if I get a good question, I'm hopefully giving the audience that is there something that they care to hear about. But I'm thinking about my delivery and, you know, am I engaging with this player? Am I capturing the moment correctly? I'm not thinking about everyone else, Mm -hmm. but it did make me realize when my friends would say like, how do you do this in front of people? How do you do this? How do you do that? I'm like, you know what? No one in the stands out there, I'm assuming, is doing what I'm doing. They sure. came as a fan that wants to enjoy a game. They're not working and they're not asking a live question. So even if they're going to be critical, I don't care because you're not in my position. Sure. And I think you have to kind of, I would say, I, I wouldn't say this right now if I was like two weeks into doing this my sophomore year. This is me doing this for, I would say, two to three years now and a year doing the hockey stuff. But you have to have this 
confidence that's like, I would like to see you try. And that's not to be cocky, but I think it's like just to give yourself that assurance that, hey, this is your thing. Like embrace it and know that people aren't doing what you're doing. Like I I look at my friends and they're doing accounting and I'm like, I'm not going to make fun of you because I have no idea what the heck you're doing. Like I have no idea what that means. So you could be be screwing it up for all I know, but it looks great to me. So I have to think about on the flip side, like no one else in that moment is doing what I'm doing. And there could be some reporters out there, I'm sure they're at the game, but you have to have this kind of, like I said, confidence that just is like, Hey, like, this is your thing. No one else is doing it. And the reaction you get from people is how do you do that? But I think you just have to kind of transcend to this next level of confidence. That's like I said, not a cockiness, just, but for yourself. Mm -hmm. So you can be like, Hey, this is my thing. This isn't anyone else's thing right now in this moment. And just make it your own power and not look at it as like, oh, I'm in front of all these people right now. It's like, no, this is your job. You have to ask this question or you have to ask these questions and this is your thing. So I would say that's when the confidence really went to the next level is when I had to do it in front of people. Mm -hmm. But I had to, I did realize from my friends when they would say, how do you do this? Or do you not get nervous? That kind of thing. It Mm -hmm. made me, it put into perspective that I was like, oh, you know what? No one else wants to do what I'm doing. That's what I'm. Yeah. That's why I'm doing it. You know. That's right. That's right. You created this women in media group. Yeah. From, on 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 campus, it's a it's a college like sponsored women only group. Um, you did it with another classmate of yours. And so, so tell me about that time because I think you guys developed this during the time of COVID mm-hmm. because it gave you something to do. Tell me what the idea behind that was and and why you created it and what it did for you. Yeah. Well, me and Anna, the girl that was also in sports, the one that kind of pulled me into the sports world at Omaha. And then another girl, Alexa, that was also an athlete with us. We all realized that we were kind of the three only girls truthfully on campus that at least on campus that showed interest that wanted to talk about sports. And so during COVID, we made a group chat and we were like, how do we start a club? So we basically can have our own platform to post a, a sports show or something. And we figured out how to become a club on campus. It's really simple, honestly. But we wanted it to be a place that offered a platform for girls that didn't want to be just in radio or just in video. It kind of was an all-encompassing. Like since we wanted sports, we wanted a place to post our stuff and like create a show. And these are all things that you do to create experiences for yourself because you go to the next step in life and they want you to already have experience. They want you to already have this or five years in this or two years in this. And so these aren't paid things. These are just honestly things that we created for ourselves to be Mm -hmm. like, Hey, I have experience working a camera. I have experience doing this, or it just gives you more, I would say on your resume, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. But the the club, its purpose was just like girls who could bring in their own talents to either one help the show because they liked camera work or they wanted to create their own show or they liked graphics. So that's kind of why we started just to become a place for women to hopefully create relationships like I did in this club that now I work with Anna and we've worked in sports together. And then the relationship we have is just unmatched to my other friends just because we share this interest. So that's why we started this club because we wanted a platform. We wanted social media pages. We wanted kind of a sisterhood that mm-hmm. would create just this, you know, vibe of being creative and passionate about what you like to do. That's yeah. in the media world. Tell me about, you had Zoom calls that you guys did. Yeah, This was super cool. Tell us about how these came about and who the Zoom calls were with and how this was like a big impact on you as well. Yeah. So we as a since COVID, we really implemented and just took advantage of Zoom. And early on, we had a few speakers that were kind of local. I mean, Joel Goldberg for the Kansas City Royals, that's pretty local. I would just, yeah. So, the, you, so let me back up for a second. You invited people to come on these Zoom chats yeah, to be like, for our club, and we would extend the invite to kind of anyone. We put it on our social pages. So if our radio members wanted to join or even our marketing kids on campus were interested in that, we would put out graphics on our Instagram and Twitter and say, Hey, we're hosting the zoom. So anyone was really Got open it. to come, Okay, but we start. And the reason why we had some people like that weren't just women on this, on the zoom calls, just because they related to 
like the Omaha area. Sure. So the Omaha Storm Chasers are the affiliate of the Kansas City Royals, and Joel Goldberg is a great voice in sports in the Kansas City area. So that's that kind of thing. But we really dug in hardcore with the women speakers. And I created a video alongside one of our like videographer photographers. Mm-hmm. And it was for National Women in Sports Day. Yep. And this is the part of the club that I appreciate is because since I was a founder as well, if I had an idea and my friends or members were on the same page, like it was going to happen. I didn't have to go through anyone else. Like we could just make it happen. Sure. And so I was like, I want a hard hitting video that like just speaks volumes about what it means for us to truly be athletes because Mm -hmm. at the time, obviously still an athlete and kind of got pretty emotional. It kind of became like an emotional video and it just was, I don't know. It was really powerful, more powerful than what I thought I was creating. And I had athletes at the school, like send a message to their younger self, or I just had them say like, you know, what got you into the sport? You know, what does it mean to be in athletics? Like as a woman, like what does it do for you as a person? And so when this video went out, we had so many people sharing it. Like even had some athletes from other schools sharing it on their stories and stuff. And it got so many views. And I say so many, I mean, just like a pretty good amount for what our club was. I think, you know, a couple thousand and shares and likes and whatever. It became a big video. And I was like, one night I remember laying in bed and I was like, you know what? The heck with it. I'm just going to start sending it to women reporters because I feel like they can relate on this topic and we might get a random response back from one of them. And if they get a response back or if they share the video or if they're inspired by it, maybe we'll get a speaker. Sure. And I just kind of went crazy. Like I was sending it to any reporter that I followed and even some women athletes that I didn't think were that big. And um, Laura Rellage responds the next day. And I'm sitting at team meal and I got like, explain, hold on, pause and explain who Laura (laughs) Rellage is, not sports related, who Laura Rellage is. Okay. Well, for one, I would say look her up on TikTok and Instagram like right now because she's great. She like is awesome content, real content. She's got an adorable daughter who does game day picks. I don't even care if you don't like sports, you'll like it. Oh my gosh. She's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. But she basically kind of followed the same footsteps that I hope to follow because she worked at a school radio station was a ballet dancer, realized she kind of liked sports because it was the only position they had at the radio station and just kind of climbed her way up the ranks. So when I was growing up and didn't understand how the heck sports reporting worked, yeah. I saw her at the College World Series and she was um, reporting at college football games. So yeah, within the last few years, she's really taken off. She's the host of NFL Live. She uh, does SEC Now. So she's kind of all over the place. She'll yeah. fill in yep. for NFL games. So this was a huge response, like huge. And I'm sitting at team meal and I get like a notification on our Instagram thing. And she was like, oh my gosh, I love this. And I was like, no, this was like, no, less than 24 hours. She responded. No way. She gave us like a little pink heart, like whatever. So I put on our story and I was like, when Laura Rutledge, like what our day made or something. Yeah. And I am so in shock at this point because she's one of my favorite reporters. And it's, here's the thing I've also learned. Athletes are hard to like reach sometimes and big like stars or, or, you know, even people in reporting are hard to reach. Like they're still real people. Like, unless they're like, I mean, I don't know, like millions of followers, like a lot of people actually respond. Like they actually Mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. And that's why they have these platforms and because they're engaging and, you know, I, they don't have a fandom if they don't have people like us that follow them kind of thing. Sure, so sure. I've realized this. I, I used to think they were so unreachable and for her to respond like this and whatever. So I'm a team meal, so I can't really respond immediately, but I screenshot it. I sent it to Anna and Alexa. And within seconds, I seconds, minutes, I get another request. She's like, oh my gosh, I would love to. And I'm like, wait, I didn't send her anything. Well, Anna had gone in and was like, hey, would you want to speak to our club? Whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is unreal. This is crazy. So yeah. on woman or national woman's day or something, whatever, we actually had Laura Rutledge as our guest speaker. And it was one of those moments where I was like, this is not happening. Yeah. Like the legacy she's already created for herself and just where she sits. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, she's still an active, very active member, probably the peak of her career right now. And she was sitting yeah. down with us. I was watching her on TV an hour before she talked to us on zoom. And I'm like, that is so crazy. But she was like the sweetest 
most encouraging person, like very real, like in, completely was in, like embarrassing herself with funny stories that she'd gone through. Like it just was like one of those moments where you're like, what? Like that kind of thing. But yeah. Anyway, so then after that, we'd gotten some really big gets like her other um, NFL Live partner, Mina Kimes, who's a huge mm-hmm. deal actually though, because she's no longer like, or no longer, she's not just an anchor. She's an analyst. Like people go to her for information mm-hmm. and she's a woman. So that, that, that's a yeah. big deal. But yeah, yeah, our speakers were definitely something we were proud of. And the Laura Rutledge one was just like, so, so cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That was really cool to see. And I think that was a huge part of two of your confidence building too, is to be able to have this club, create this, you basically create your own internship. Yeah. That's kind of what you did in a way. And when nothing was going on in the sports world and you made things happen. So I was really excited for you to have something to do and to channel your energy into something and to get that kind of experience to talk to these people and that took off. Uh, it was just really yeah. cool. It's just really cool to see. So that was something that I wanted to mention as well as you created what you yeah. wanted. You created something that you needed yeah. in college and there was no, there was no one telling you couldn't and there was no one telling you here, do this. You guys created it yourself. I thought that was so cool is you guys came up with this yourselves and how can you keep pursuing the thing that you love when the world is shut down, especially for your mental health. Yeah. I think honestly yeah. at that time. Yeah. And I think if you're not playing th- soccer, at least you were doing right. something that related to your major. Right. I, I was going to say that like that probably helped me a lot. And it kind of, I think, I mean, I was never even thinking about the end of soccer, even my junior year, but like in a bigger picture, like you have two years left, you know? So for me to have this experience in my junior year, when things were starting to, you know, slowly go away from me for soccer mm-hmm. or come to the end. It was this positive reinforcement or reassurance that, Hey, like you're going to be fine. <laughs> yep. You're, you're in a good place. Like these things are happening to you because one, you've created them, but also because this is like, it was like these, this tiny, like little voicemail. You're like, Hey, like you're on the right path or, you know, you're doing what you love or just like these positive enforcements, reinforcements, mm-hmm. I would say when I wasn't doing the thing that I was at school for, you know? Yeah. So when soccer wasn't happening and I didn't have that side of me that was getting to feel like myself, I had this thing that was emerging that I was like, you know, like I'm going to be okay. It keeps Mm -hmm. me involved in sports, but also like I feel like I'm in the right place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I think from my perspective, seeing it, um, it just was like watching you blossom. Honestly, it was, the trend, like you mentioned, when you did high school and you did the camera work for that one mm-hmm. class, to go back and look at those videos, even like your first Mav Radio, the the first, what is it called? The first, oh, first warning, first warning. Yeah. Those first warning videos were rough, right? We all know oh, that. Gosh, yeah. But looking how far you've come in just mm-hmm. a couple of years, that was so cool as your parent to look at that and watch you blossom and just, I hate the word say blossom. Um, but anyway, <laughs> just how you grew and how you yeah. changed and how you evolved. And that's all that you want for your kids is for them to grow and get that confidence and find that passion for the thing they want to do and then go out and pursue it. So when you had that opportunity to create what you wanted to create, you got involved in Mav radio. And then after everything kind of got back to somewhat quote unquote normal, doing the things you did for the, the athletic department and mm-hmm. working with the hockey team. It just was really cool to see your progression through all of it. And I just want to commend you for following your passion, but also building your own confidence, doing it yourself. What do you wish you knew growing up that you know now? Like, what would you tell your younger self? What was something that you would have told yourself back then? Don't let the passionate fire that you have go away. Because whenever you, when I, every single time that you've been passionate and you care about the thing that you're into things work out for you. Yeah. So I think I would tell myself that like, you know, be yourself through it all because every single time that I've been myself is when I've enjoyed my experience the most. Mm -hmm. So be in the moment. Don't worry about where life's going to go next because right now I could, I have no idea where I'm going to go next because I don't, I don't know if this is where I'm at right now is temporary or permanent. I have no clue, Mm -hmm. but I'm good where I'm at. And so I would just say, you know, be happy where you are, be passionate about what you love and everything will be just fine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Uh, Now, if you could speak to kids or the parents of kids who are wanting to pursue 
collegiate level sports, what advice would you give them? Yeah. Okay. So to kids, I'm speaking to a crowd that like knows they want to go to college and play sports here. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important to remember that this is fun and Mm -hmm. you love this. So enjoy every aspect of it. Like Mm -hmm. enjoy putting your cleats on. (laughs) And I say that from a perspective of someone who doesn't put cleats on anymore, you know, like enjoy what it feels like to put your uniform on those things. Like there's very small aspects of the sport that you play that are fun and exciting. And don't forget those parts and also just stick on the road that you're on, you know, like you've, you've gotten to this point, you know, you, you know what you want to do next. Um, so continue to invest in yourself is what I would really say. You know, if this is what you want, naturally you'll put yourself in positions to get yourself there. You will mm-hmm. because it's what you want. Um, so don't, I would say, I think there's so much pressure in the world now. And I, I'm not to like, once again, point the stick at social media, but stick on your own path and do, you know, however you've been doing it, that's been successful, continue, you know? Um, I just think sometimes we make this look so much like a job and you're not in like, you're, you're not an adult yet. You know, you're not in your post-college life. Like these are the fun times of your life. You're getting to compete. And I would just say embrace every aspect of why you love this sport. Mm -hmm. Um, and to parents do let the kid take on this journey and they're going to have like many downfalls your kid may be the star in high school right now. And they're going to go to a university where a lot of people are at the same level as them. And they might not play a lot their freshman year, or they might, or they might play a lot one game and they might not play the next game and you can't figure it out and neither can they. But that's why you're there to be their post-game hug. And you're there to be the person that they can look to, to maybe escape the sport sometimes. But Mm -hmm. I would say the people that I've seen grow the most and just enjoy their experience the most are the ones that, know their college experience in playing a college sport is exciting and fun. And I would just say, you know, push them to have a great week of practice and, you know, have fun and make great friends because it can be really easy to be critical and no team is successful when the core of it is selfish or critical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a support system like your family or your mom and dad that push and foster a healthy competition and just, I think whenever I would come to my mom and dad, or if I was frustrated, you know, they would listen to me and they'd hear me, but then they'd say, Hey, you know what? Go prove yourself this week. You're gonna have a great weekend. And it was positive reinforcement. And I think that's the best way to, I mean, it worked for me, but personally go about it just because for the kid And for the parent, it's never going to be smooth. So you have to just learn from it. And I think try to have a worldly perspective on it and know it's not the end all be all. There's a bigger picture and you're here because you love this. So I would say my message to both parents and kids is, you know, enjoy it while it lasts because it's not going to be there forever, obviously. So I would just try to make sure you soak up every moment of it. And I would say, honestly, just be positive. It sounds kind of silly, but be positive about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's what they took away that are the intangibles, I think, are the most important thing. And you're kind of describing that a little bit as like the intangibles of just the feelings that you get playing your sport, the feeling that you have on the road trip with your teammates, the feeling you had when your roommate scored her first goal, or the feeling you had, you know, uh, when you get to help these these kids at, at a camp, you know, whatever that is. It's something yep. about the overall picture rather than nitpicking the little things like, oh, they only got X amount of times, you know, X amount of minutes of playtime, or they only got, you know, they get to travel these games or whatever that is. I think it's so important to just embrace the entire process. And I think that's something that you did really well was embrace the process and just be a good teammate. That was the the overall, I think, thing that I would say for you is just, you were just a great teammate. You encouraged everybody and it was so obvious when you were done playing, that you were that person for a lot of the younger girls that were, you know, you were the one that was always there for them, no matter what, even if you weren't playing that much, or if they were playing more or vice versa, you didn't bother like that wasn't something that you let get in the way of a relationship with somebody. 
Yeah. Well, even like my college coach would say us on the first day of meetings, like for the season is he's like, you're here for four years. And, you know, let's say you're here for four years, every single aspect of why you're here at college, like your playing time and how much you spend of it on the field is like 3%. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you're going to wake up every single day and go to classes and go to practice and lift and all these things, but make friends make great, you know, go to the grocery store, go on walks with your friends, every aspect of living your life. And to worry about the 90 minutes that you spend on the actual field every weekend is, it really is silly. Like, you know, it's why you're there and you want to have a great time and you want to compete and all that stuff, obviously. But you will leave a lasting impact within your program and the people that you share that team with because of the person you are as a teammate and the memories that you share with them mm-hmm. versus having, I mean, unless you're setting records and breaking, you know, all of these, yeah. whatever, and you're filling the stat books, sure, you're going to be a legacy, but people remember you and your teammates will value you even when you're gone for what you left them with on how to lead the team next. I think that leaves a lasting impact. What advice would you give to girls or young women who want to pursue a career in sports or, uh, we know whether that's broadcasting or any other, let's just say any other male dominated field, what would you say to them? My first thing I would say is don't view it that way. Don't view it as, oh, I'm entering into an industry that is all males because Mm -hmm. I think that changes the perspective of why you're there. Um, Mm -hmm. of course your first few interactions in any place that you're going to be, that is, male dominated, you're going to notice it. But if you come, I mean, any advice I've ever gotten is, you know, like you have to come prepared and more like, sure Mm -hmm. you do. That's true. Like make sure. But also I think it just comes with being aware of like what your industry is like, what's going on. Don't be oblivious, you know, like watch the games, watch what they're doing, like see how things work. Like there's experts out there. Like you might as well learn from them. They're doing Mm -hmm. it every day. Mm -hmm. So come prepared, like absolutely come prepared. But also I would say, don't see it as a competition with your male counterparts either, because in my experience, the men that have worked with me and the few girls that do sports, like they've been our biggest encouragers because they're the ones working alongside us. They see it, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. doesn't really matter what the weird old guy on Twitter is saying about your, you know, Hey, there's three girls on TV right now. What do they know? Mm-hmm. I don't really care what you have to say. The people that are working alongside me that put in the same work as I do see what I put in. And so their validation, or I shouldn't even say validation, I don't need validation, but you know what I mean? Their, their comments or whatever they have to say, they mean something to me and I'm going to make sure I encourage them just the same. And I would say even use being a woman to your advantage, not a disadvantage. And I Mm -hmm. mean, if you are doing something that's supposed to be a male's position, but you're doing it better or you can, like you have a leg up, they're like, Oh, Hey, like we have a woman that can do this. Like, you're already like a few steps ahead in a way. And, and maybe you're not, but I think if you view it that way, yeah, it helps then instead of being like, Oh shoot, like I am surrounded by all guys. They must know what to do. They're in the same position as you. Like if, if you're coming into a brand new working class or class at school and they've never done anything either, like you're still in the same boat, you guys are all sure. entering the same position. So I would just say, don't see it that way. Don't make your perspective I'm entering into an all male dominated industry. Just, you know, say as I'm entering into sports broadcasting or I'm entering into X, yep. Y, and Z, or whatever it may be. And I think that'll help the way you view it. Yeah. Perfect. And then lastly, uh, I always end every, uh, every podcast with this question, but what is helping you feel odd right now? What's one thing that's making you feel awake, well, and empowered right now? I would say since hockey started last week, I am getting to report live again, and I have not Mm -hmm. done that in quite some time. So that gives me quite the rush. I love standing up top and press row and watching some action happen and sprint downstairs, um, like legit. That's like me being awake, Mm -hmm. but I do love that. Like I, I feel in a weird way, like kind of unstoppable when I'm doing interviews. It's like, once again, it's that thing that just makes me feel most myself. And I love the people that I get to talk to when I'm on, on the job and, you know, I just get to be immersed in a sporting event and activity. And I love that. I love the tradition and I love the fans and everything that comes with sports. So I love being in those atmospheres. Like those makes me feel just really just myself, I would say. And then honestly, I'm in a weird like gray area right now of not being a college student, but like 
kind of entering into adult life. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of trying to figure out a routine that works for myself right now. And I don't really have something nailed down. I think that's okay because I, like before, like I was getting in a routine, like so I could ground myself so I could like be competitive every day and like <laughs> be mentally ready for a tough practice or whatever was sure. going to come my way. But I'm not really living in that space anymore. So I'm trying to kind of figure out what works for me. And there's some practices that I've taken from that routine my junior year that the year that changed my life. Um, <laughs> but that it still stick with me. But like, honestly, I love cooking right now. Cooking has mm. been like a very adult thing for me and trying new things. It's making me feel empowered. I will say that because nice. I made lasagna the other day and I was like, heck yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm entering into my adulthood, but, um, just, just trying, trying new things has looked very different for me and it's not necessarily competitive all the time and it's not soccer. So adult things have become, um, I would say more empowering for me right now. I don't know, I guess are adulting. And so that makes me feel kind of empowered because I kind of feel like I'm getting my shit together (laughs) in an adult way that I, even though I was doing that in an apartment for college, it was very like in a college manner, like, Oh, got to go to class. Guess I'll grab this snack and I'll, okay, I'll do the dishes later. But like now it's like, I have time every day to dedicate it to just like doing adulting and yeah. I just, I, that makes me feel empowered because I know I'm kind of entering into a new chapter of my life. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's funny. Cause I think that's something like, no, I want to stop adulting. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I know I have talked to people that are like, they're like, Oh, I'm glad you're excited. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm know. like, I'm over, I'm over, I'm over adulting. You've taken over. We're like switching. What's the, what's the, what's the movie? Freaky Friday. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Like we're, we're doing a Freaky Friday because I'm like ready to give yeah, up. I'm entering your exiting. Yeah. I don't know. I shouldn't be excited about these things, but it's making yeah. me feel empowered. I feel like an independent person yeah, there you go. I mean, it's good. I <laughs> living in adult life. Yeah. That's big. Yeah. That's big. It is. Very cool, kiddo. Well, I'm happy to have you on. I'm so uh, just proud of you. I'm proud of what you've accomplished and that you're following your passion and that you're doing what you love to do. I think that's all you want your kids. All, all you want for your kids is that you they, they find something that they love to do that does not feel like work. I just uh, love watching your progression through this process. And you're, uh, like I said, you're an inspiration to me. And I, I, I hope that listening to that voice inside, uh, and really getting to know yourself and being okay with exactly who you are is, uh, it's kind of the sweet spot. And when you hit that spot, then you're going to end up going down the right path. You're going to find the right thing. You're going to pursue the thing that's actually in alignment with who you are. And, uh, it just been fun to be on the side of it and watch you watch you do it all. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. And congrats on your podcast. I know we're a few episodes in, but I'm so excited to continue to see who gets to join yeah. the show. Yeah, me too. Believe me. I'm like, Oh gosh, who's going to say yes next? Yeah. These are, these are, these are, these are, these are when we get our production cues. Five, four, yes, correct. three, cut. <laughs> no, seriously, right. you got to wrap it up. <laughs> Guys, seriously. Yeah. Okay. Kiddo. I love you so much. Yeah, I love you Have too. a wonderful day thank and we'll you. talk soon. Peace. Bye, sweetheart. Thank you again for being here. I am so grateful for your time. And if you liked what you heard, please head to where you listen to podcasts, rate and review so we can be found by other people. Please share on Instagram, your social media channels, wherever else you go so we can reach as many people as possible so they can meet these amazing women and hear these conversations. If you'd like to connect further, you can find me over at my website at halliesawyer.com. Or on Instagram, I'm usually going to be at uh, Hallie underscore Sawyer or The Odd Life, which is this podcast specific Instagram account. All right. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you soon.